When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, folks, welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast, where we are building a local music scene with a worldwide audience. I am Aaron Camaro, that's Chris Zinzak, and it is Christmas in July. Final week of Christmas in July. I have to say, it's been an I was going to say unmitigated disaster, but it's been an unmitigated <laughs> success. Unmitigated, wrong word. Right. No, it's been great. You know, this has been a lot of fun. You know, Chris and I are both big Kiss fans, you know, so it's been a blast for us. And we know that there's a good, great portion of our listenership that are also huge Kiss fans that dig what we're doing. As the stats have bared out, for sure, this is, uh, the, you know, we can never get tired of talking about Kiss, but uh, it's definitely been good for getting people into the show. And uh, we've had some fantastic uh, comments and feedback from people that are discovering the show thanks to these Kiss things. And also want to thank the media and Kiss outlets that uh, have, you know, posted links to the shows that we've done this month. We've had a lot of support. And um, yeah, things are rolling right along, and we've got a we've got a busy August that we're planning out already. And there, you know, there'll still be some Kiss related stuff, but we're also going to cover of other course. stuff. And uh, but yeah, Aaron, we've got some new business we need to discuss before we get into today's show. Absolutely, uh, for the fans tonight, the rock and rollers out there that are listening to Maximum Threshold, we are coming to you live. It's got to be about seven o'clock Eastern time on Friday night. But uh, this is pretty cool. You know, Maximum Threshold's been around for a while. They're basically a, a rock and roll radio station on the Internet, and they wanted to include the Decibel Geek podcast. And we're more than happy to be a part of it because it's, you know, it's, it's hard rock and heavy metal, you know, and that's what we're all about. That's what Maximum Threshold's all about. And uh, so if this is the first time you're hearing the Decibel Geek podcast, enjoy. Well, yeah, welcome aboard. And uh, for those of you that, aren't, that are listening to it on download from uh, iTunes or wherever you pick it up, you know, uh, if you don't know, if you uh, if you're getting ready to uh, you know drink a few beers on a Friday night, go hang out with your friends. Every Friday night, seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Nashville time, our time. Just go to maximumthreshold.net and you can listen to uh, the newest episode streaming streaming live on uh, Maximum Threshold Radio every single week. And uh, yeah, so if yeah, and if you listen to us on Max Threshold Radio and uh, you want to. Get the show a couple days earlier. You can always subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on there. Just look up Decibel Geek on iTunes, and yep. we're right and, there. And uh, check out the website as well. That's www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. 
and uh, you'll find all kinds of cool stuff on there as well. So get on board with the Decibel Geek Podcast as we tonight are on board with MaximumThreshold.net. And also um, from the corrections department, I, have, I this Uh-oh. we had a good response to the Vinnie Vincent episode, but I do need to correct one thing. Um, and this was just we, you know, me and Robert were having a, just a fun conversation, and you know things get forgotten at the time. Robert mistakenly mentioned that uh, the deal that Vinny had uh, with a record company in the early nineties, late eighties was uh, he thought was Epitaph Records. I must correct that it was Enigma Records. So I didn't know that, and Robert, you know, had it mistaken. But so now it's can correct. Oh, you got called out on that, did you? By a few people. And, nice. you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, it was Enigma, not an Epitaph. I'm That's like, right. Like, See, and it know. goes to show that we are not the only decibel geeks. You know, there's other people that take this stuff as seriously as we do. More and, so. And we can, and more so. <laughs> and we commend you for it. You know, that's what it's all about. Well, today I want to, before we get started with today's show, I got to go ahead and finish up uh, new business with uh, Geek of the Week. If you want to be Geek of the Week, go to facebook.com slash decibelgeek and just join the conversation. That's the best way to do it. That's about it. Basically, what we do is we look at, you know, the things that are posted on the Facebook page and say, that's really funny or that's really cool. And that's how we pick our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week also is sharing duties with the person responsible for um, coming up with today's subject. I think it's only fair. It is only fair. So we got to give props out and it's also a good friend of ours and yeah you may think this is a incestual thing and yeah it is i don't care uh talking about victor ruiz from mars attacks podcast and mars attacks radio uh victor is our geek of the week so congratulations on that you'll get your prize which is monopoly money (laughs) but um, and prestige and prestige lots of prestige yeah the prestige that comes along with being geek of the week um yeah, but we put out the call to you guys for suggestions on our hotline, on our Facebook page, and we got a good number of suggestions yeah, for, for today's of, show. a lot of good ideas. But this one we really, we this one we took a shine to because this is a real geeky week that we're going into here. If well, you, it's Kissmas in July. Yeah. You know? If you are a fringe Kiss fan, you may not dig this one, but if you're a diehard Kiss fan, which we think most of you probably are, you'll this is a good behind the scenes thing this is a victor came up with a cool idea like why don't you play some cool like kiss demos and unreleased things and you know stuff like that and how songs may link together and all that stuff so i like it we're calling this episode the cutting room floor cutting of course spelled with a k yeah because it's kissmas in july right so today's show is going to feature demos unreleased tracks and you're also going to hear kind of like a how songs took shape and how like a demo from 1985 wound up on Sonic Boom right. and that'll be one example so you're we're going to I think too even if you're not a huge Kiss fan you know and you're just waiting just waiting for Kiss in July to be over with you can <laughs> you can even get a little insight on this because you know it's it's cool how a song can evolve over time you know yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's kiss or any other band out there you know one day you might write something and not realize that it's something you actually want to use for an album for many many years later right you know, that's it's the creative process and it's the way it goes so today like chris said we're getting some insight and we're using the subject of kiss because after all like i said kiss miss in july it's our last week so we got to go with a bang this one you know we pride ourselves on being entertaining and informative yeah this one's really, really going to be informative, probably even for me. Yeah, and I will go ahead and warn our listeners, the sound quality is obviously going to vary because we're dealing with a lot of demo tracks from some of them over demo 30 quality. years old, you know. So, but you have to appreciate where, you know, the songwriting cross process, and you're going to definitely appreciate the diversity of Kiss demos. Yeah, that's show. for sure. You're going to hear stuff that's going to make you cringe. You're going to hear some stuff, and you'll be like, why didn't they put that on an album? So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Um 
actually, this is kind of current with what's going on now because uh, Kiss is about to re-release Destroyer, the remixed version of it that Bob Ezrin just finished working that on. That should be pretty cool. I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. I am too. One thing that was uh, I was a bit bummed about is there's no none of the unreleased tracks are going to get put on this. I thought there was supposed to be something unreleased the only, on there. Well, the only thing different from what I gather from the track listing I saw on the internet was you will hear Ace's original Sweet Pain solo instead of Dick Wagner's solo. Mm-hmm. Dick Wagner, friend of the Despicable Geek yeah. podcast. Go back and listen to that interview. That's a good one. You'll hear all about that. And um, so, yeah, but there was one unreleased track that I that I remember from you know going through my collection of demos from over the years. And this was this is a song called "Ain't None of Your Business," and this is a song that Bob Ezrin himself actually brought to the band because he wasn't sure how the material was going to work out for the album. This is a uh, very early on in the Destroyer sessions. And the song has almost had a country western type feel, but it's a lot of attitudes written by Becky Hobbs and Lou Anderson. And um, it wound up, sorry about popping my lips. I've, I've been cutting that out, so you may hear that throughout the episode. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to do with this was this is a song that Peter Chris sang on the demo, and then actually it was ended up recorded for a band called Detective in May of 77 on their debut album. And a lot of people probably haven't heard this. And uh, Michael DeBar, who is the brother of Pamela DeBar, who is the famous rock and roll groupie, he was the singer for uh, Detective. And so there's a lot of Kiss connections to Michael DeBar, and he's good friends with Gene Simmons. So we're going to go ahead and play um, Ain't None of Your Business. You'll hear a little bit of the Peter Chris version going into the Detective version. So let's go ahead and uh, check that out right now. So that was originally a Kiss song, a demo, and then the other band ended up doing it on their album? Yeah, Detective wound up putting on their album. And I, and I got to say, you'll hear stuff in this show where me and Aaron will make the argument that certain songs should have wound up on certain albums. This is one where I think it worked better for Detective than it would have for Kiss had it made it onto Destroyer. I don't know. Peter Chris sounded pretty cool singing that one. He does, but, it's, it. but it, do, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb on Destroyer, I think. Yeah, you may be right about that. But yeah. Better save if Peter Chris is going to sing a song on Destroyer, it better be Kiss. Yeah, so Aaron, you've got this is one that you suggested that we're going to play next. This is one that's pretty cool. You know, when, when Kiss was going into the studio and they were getting ready to come out with what would become music from the elder mm-hmm. you know there was there was a lot of dissension in the camp you know peter chris is gone at this point it's it's basically ace Frehley versus gene simmons and paul stanley and ace Frehley saying 
let's come out with a straightforward rock album. Yeah. And this ends up being one of the more straightforward rock songs on The Elder. Musically, yeah. Musically. They changed the lyrics completely to what we're about to play. This is pretty interesting because you can tell that when it was rewritten, it was rewritten with the mystical theme of music from The Elder. Mm-hmm. Talking about the song Dark Light the uh, Ace Frehley vocal contribution to the album. This is the original version of that. You guys check this out. The lyrics are totally different. It was more of a straight-up rock song at first. A little bit slowed down, (laughs) but I think you get the picture. This is Don't Run. It's Ace Frehley, what would become Dark Light on Music from the Elder. Just You know, you it's, know it's, it's, it's a funny thing with demos. You know, it's like they're so basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was it. Was I found it? In, that one's interesting to play because of how different the lyrical content wound up being. Because I mean, the Ace's original version is more about it's uh, like got his sense a of humor. In it. Yeah, being like a rebellious kid. You know, you get a lot of a lot of that theme in Ace Frehley songs about you know, kind of like you know, the whole story of growing up in New York and mm-hmm. you know, being a street kid and stuff like that. You know, you get a lot of that in Ace Frehley lyrically written songs, but uh, you know, that just doesn't fit in with the whole concept of music from the elder. It's got to be mystical and Dungeons and Dragonsy, and that's how you <laughs> end up with Dark Light out of that. And that was uh, Ace's last contribution to Kiss musically until uh, End of the Void came out on the Psycho Circus album. That was the last track he did with the band. And, and if uh, I recommend anything off that, you guys go back and listen to that album, listen to that song, and check out the solo oh, on it's Dark awesome. Light. Just killer. one of his best solos for sure. Classic Ace Frehley. You know, it obviously didn't fit with the elder theme but it was like <laughs> it was ace being defiant going, i'm not going with your airy fairy stuff with the elder. Right. i'm gonna do rock but uh didn't lou reed have something to do with the writing of the lyrics for that or was that something else i don't think he wrote for i don't know if he wrote for dark light i know he wrote part of world without heroes yeah but uh yeah he was involved in that but yeah, uh i think he might have speaking of uh well speaking of lou reed i'm gonna go ahead and skip to this because as those of you that have the box set of the Kiss box set that came out years ago, um, there was a song called "Bad Bad Lovin'" on there, and you'll remember that the music was like the music for calling Doctor Love. Right. Well, that was from what I'm gathering the second version of "Bad Bad Lovin'," and I've got the first one. Also, we're going to have a clip of both, but the first one. Speaking of Lou Reed, this sounds a lot like to me like gene trying to pull off a lou reed type song and i guess in this comes i don't know that i could be wrong and of course we're gonna have lots of people correcting us from this episode i'm yeah, sure because there's there's a lot of stuff out here that's not really hi- able to historically pin things down you know with demos because you never really know when they came out or when they were written but we're doing our best to try to bring you guys well, something interesting and i'm using my cliff tonight. notes from the great website kissfaq.com and thanks to julian gill i want to give him mad props because he's the one who's he's gotten me most of the notes for this uh this uh show 
but uh, they really do cover it over there. They do, and this is so. This is Gene doing bad, bad love, and you'll hear the the Lou Reedified or the almost Velvet Underground type version going into what wound up on the box set. Bad girl always treat me so mean. The baddest girl I've ever seen. But I love her. What else? Simmons. Kiss Pop-Tarts, you'd buy them. Listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Kissmas in July continues right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro. Joining me as always, my good friend Chris Zinzak, the professor of rock and roll, as I like to call him. <laughs> Basically, you've, you've kind of put all this together for us today. I mean, because there's a lot of this stuff that I haven't even heard before. But the cool thing about it is it's like we're getting to witness like the evolution of a song, you know, especially with that last one mm-hmm. where it was like it went from bad, bad loving into like the from the Lou Reed sounding thing, yeah. Into a hybrid of bad, bad loving and calling Doctor Love, which would end up becoming calling Doctor Love. Yeah, it's, it's the evolution of a song. I like that. And That's the, cool. The bad, bad loving got left on the cutting room floor, spelled with a K. With a K, because it's Christmas in July. Well, here's a. Did you know that the song "Forever" was re- there was a song called that Kiss did called "Forever" recorded in the 1970s. In the 70s, huh? Yeah, it's not the Michael Bolton song. But this is forever spelled F O U R, and the, and actually, hmm. le, well, to be honest, I'm getting the impression this is more of just a Gene demo. But I think it was meant for the for Kiss because it it was written around I think around the solo album era, and I think it was around the time that things started getting a bit strained in the band. And he was trying to I think he was kind of trying to write a war cry type song for the band to help bring things back like together. A, a unifying anthem. Yeah, kind of like the precursor to "You Wanted the Best" off Psycho Circus. Hmm, which, interesting. Has, which has a great solo but a horrible lyrical content but uh yeah this is called forever and this is not the greatest song on earth but it it bears you know checking out on the show so here's the original forever yeah play it your fist up in the air let the other people stare
Dig that sax. Not saxophone. And a Kiss song? No wonder that thing ended up on the cutting room floor. It was a, it's a pretty cheesy tune. It really is pretty cheesy, you know, and it's really easy to say, you know, man, that song kind of stunk. But you got to remember, it's just a <laughs> demo song. Well, and also a lot of the stuff you're hearing tonight, Gene Simmons is famously known. He, I mean, the guy can write like a song a day. Doesn't mean it's going to be good, right? <laughs> but he'll write it. I remember hearing it. like the demo where it's it's him playing guitar and all he's doing is da 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 da. You know, then go back and fit the words in later. Yeah, that will not get played tonight. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I've heard it before. That's how big how big a geeks we are. We've heard all that. But uh, yeah, and now we're gonna go into a little bit. We played a lot of Gene stuff. That was a weird song, man. That was it. Really was like a rallying cry in a time where it was probably Uh a little too late. Yeah, probably. You know, that up on the level of like tomorrow and tonight. (laughs) But. now here's an embarrassing thing for Paul Stanley, which I, it, probably not embarrassing for him, but this just shows what what was going on around like the 1987 crazy 88 crazy nights era. Around this time, Gene was in the in the middle of doing movies and trying to be Mr. Hollywood. Right. Paul Stanley was also trying to branch out and do different things too, and he was gearing up around this 87 era about the possibility of working with Cher, and he was mentioned as a possible producer for one of her albums, which, of course, now that leads itself to the natural jokes of, well, they look like the same person anyway, <laughs> but, uh, which makes you wonder about Gene dating Cher. But anyway, we won't yeah. get into the whole, uh, you know, Sigmund Freud type thing. Not that Cher's his mother. But anyway, Paul was <laughs> pa- <laughs> Paul Stanley was trying to write songs for people outside of Kiss. Sure, because at that time, if you're Paul Stanley, you know, and you're not getting the movie roles that Gene Simmons is, you're trying to make any extra money that you can. Right, and he put together this thing. It was it's famously become known in us demo collector circles as the Paul Stanley publishing tape. And now the you know, of course, back in the day when this tape leaked, a lot of people were like, "Man, he was going to put that on Crazy Nights." Now, Crazy Nights is pop oriented enough. Oh yeah. But this stuff is even further into that vein, and uh, this well, it was is, written for share. Yeah, there's. I mean, but I think a lot of people, when it first leaked, didn't really know that. Yeah. We found out later on that it wasn't really meant for Kiss at the time. So we're gonna. <laughs> you you got to listen to this for yourself. This is a combination of two songs. You ha- you'll hear a little bit of a song called "When When uh, Two Hearts Collide" and also uh, "Best Man for You." So here's here's a little bit of what Paul was working on in '87. Oh, yeah. 
Wow. Was that the longest minute 30 of your life? I think so. <laughs> but then again, you know, that's not too far uh, removed from reason to live. Yeah, the, that, there's a lot of people that have commented on that, saying that they can hear a little bit of reason to live. And then yeah. I guess and I, I guess it, it's not all for Cher, because I can't hear Cher doing a song called Best Man For You. So no, I don't know. I don't know. I think he was just shopping stuff to pop songwriter or pop performers right. around because you know because there's money to be made in songwriting. You know, not everybody is Kiss. Not every Whoa. everybody is the kind of music we listen to. You know, the music we listen to is bands going out writing their own songs for the most part and performing them. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a lot of genres out there, pop and country. I would think especially where they just don't write their own songs. They perform other people's songs. Well, and I think that Paul got the bug because he was good friends with Desmond Child and Diane Warren, who were yeah, they, racking they up did millions in all the songwriting at that time. Probably thought, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring. Why not? Paul Stanley, little side note, is responsible for Desmond Child hooking up with Bon Jovi for Slippery When Wet. Hmm. Because he knew Desmond Child from writing, you know, stuff from Dynasty. Right. And Desmond Child and Rouge were a Casablanca artist, if I'm remembering correctly. But they were good friends. And, you know, Kiss took Bon Jovi out on the Animalized tour when Bon Jovi right. were not really that well known. But they blew up by and the it, end well, of it. Well, and Paul saw a lot of talent in Bon Jovi and was like, well, you should work with this writer. And then, as we know, you know, millions of albums later, Slippery and went. millions of dollars. Yeah, so that you know that wound up working out, and then of course, Kiss wound up opening for Bon Jovi at the Donington Festival. Isn't that funny how that goes? You know, when Kiss first started out, they were the opening band, and then they blew everybody else away, and then they were the headliners. But by that time, you know, the things makeup's gone. You know, things are tough. Mm-hmm. You know, and even in uh, in uh, Lent's book, The Kiss and yeah. Sell, you know, which is a great book. Uh, C.K. Lent yeah. is the author's name. And uh, it's a great book, and it shows how, you know, for a period of time there around Crazy Nights, Kiss is actually looking at what works for Bon Jovi and applying it to their own game plan. Yeah, he said something like, did Bon Jovi do it, was like the running joke around Right. Next, I want to talk about a song. Everybody knows the song Ladies Room from the 70s. Great song. But that song actually came from a demo. Rock and roll over. From a uh, demo called I Don't Want Your Romance. Which is an interesting little track, you know, and it, the the lyrics are pretty similar, but you can, well, let's just play the uh, the clip and you, you can judge for yourself. kind of cool to look back and see where a song like ladies room came Mm -hmm. from and gene was so diverse in what he liked you could tell when his demos because obviously with kiss it became a straightforward regimented rock thing but like in these demos he wasn't afraid to get chicks on here to sing backup vocals you know it's like the like his solo album you know it's chock full of backup singers and Mm -hmm. and girls doing stuff like that but it didn't really i mean in some instances i guess it did but for the most part didn't really work for kiss and i could be wrong but i think the 
the female vocals on that. If I'm if he he helped he did some stuff with the group with no name, which was a female singing group in the seventies. And now one of the members of the group with no name was uh, Katie Seagal, who wound oh, up being yeah. Peggy Bundy on Married with Children. So and she she's on the so, solo album. So she might be singing on that demo there. I'm not totally sure though. I gotta imagine it. Knowing Gene Simmons as we know Gene Simmons nowadays. You almost wonder if, if the girls singing on these demos were just some girl he met like a half an hour before and was like, <laughs> hey, 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 baby, how would you like to sing on the background vocals for a Kiss song? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Oh, that came from <laughs> that. That became Ladies Room. And then we were talking about the Elder earlier. I want to play a clip of a song that was recorded for the Elder. I think it was recorded from the Elder. I'm going by. It's considered like an assorted Elder instrumental. Oh, this is cool. But the. Uh, I found this on YouTube, and on YouTube it's listed as R-A-I-T-A, Rata, which I don't know if somebody just gave it that name or not. I always thought it was called Council of the Elders. No, Council of the Elders is different. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Okay. But we're dealing with demos, so who knows what they were actually called. But I love this because this almost has a real Zeppelin kind of Achilles last stand type Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This is really cool. This should have been a Kiss song. Easily, and I still think today that somebody should cover this and do a professional recording of it, even if it's just an instrumental. But this is Rada or just an elder demo. Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army? You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25. Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash decibelgeek. Hi, this is Jimi Hendrix, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast. We are discussing kisses, demos, unreleased, all kinds of cool unreleased stuff that you may not have heard or you may have heard. And we're behind schedule. <laughs> we are. We got to stop flapping our gums so much and play more clips because we got. I have a lot of clips, you know, that I wanted to play so that people can get to hear. Um, Kick back because we're gonna fire a bunch of them off at you at once right now. Okay, everybody knows Detroit Rock City, of course. Last year, I think it was last year, a leaked version of uh, the original demo for Detroit Rock City came out, and it's a little—it's pretty different from the originals or from what wound up on the album. So here's Detroit Rock City. Detroit 
That's badass, man. I like that. That's like, it's heavier. It almost felt like a gold mine when that leaked. I know it pissed off a lot of hoarders that have a lot of uh, unreleased stuff because it, it was not supposed to get leaked out like it did. But as somebody who wasn't a hoarder, I was thrilled to hear it, to be sure. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like the the guitar, like Ace Frehley's guitar work in the beginning of the song and even through it, you know, the lead work is really killer. It's like a, a heavier version of Detroit Rock City. I like it. I know. And I, well, you know, it's a Paul demo. I wonder if it if it's Ace or if it's somebody else even doing the lead Yeah, part. it might it might even be Paul himself. It you might never be. Know. It sounds good in either, either case. Well, all right. Well, um, as far as songs, how it getting linked together, when uh, after Unmask, you know, being so poppy, didn't do so well. Mm. Before The Elder, Kiss was going to initially go back and do a harder album in the vein of what the fans would want. And they actually went to Ace's studio, his home studio in Connecticut. And uh, so for, they did some early demos, but they didn't really like what they came up with. I don't understand why, you know. And in retrospect, you sure would think we should have listened to Ace they probably and just put out a straightforward rock album. But no. They came out with the elder, but a lot of people know this is where it was going. A lot of people know of "Loves a Deadly Weapon" from Asylum, but what yeah. you may not know is that the original, some of the lyrics from that are, and melody line came from a, a, one of these pre-elder demos. So I'm going to list. That's you're pretty gonna, wild. You're going to hear a little bit of that going into what it became. Interesting how they Frankensteined it out. Yeah, it? it is kind of weird. I mean, but you can definitely, definitely tell that that's Ace Frehley playing on that demo. Yeah, it sounds like something that in the, the type of sound that he would go for. And uh, yeah, would have been. I would have liked to have heard what a whole album recorded at that studio would have sounded like. Oh man, I mean that. Got to figure. You know, if they were instead of doing the Elder, if they would have went ahead and did the straightforward rock album, how good that would have been at that time. Ace Frehley lead guitar, with Eric Gene Carr. and Paul with Eric Carr on drums. A real rock album with Ace in the band. How cool. I wonder what Eric Carr must have been thinking at the time, doing those demos, going, this is pretty cool stuff. And they're like, actually, Eric, we're just going to go with this medieval yeah. you know, fairy tale thing. What? You know all these great hard rock songs we just wrote? We're not going to use yeah, them. Yeah, we're not going to use any <laughs> of that stuff. We're just uh, appeasing Ace for a little while. We're going to hang out in Connecticut with him for a little bit and then... <laughs> Back to the weird stuff. Let's go up to Toronto and get high with Ezrin. Back to hanging out with Lou Reed and writing some songs. Right. <laughs> and this has been an educational evening for Aaron, because before we started recording, I uh, he didn't realize that King of the Nighttime World was not an original Kiss song. I mean, let me ask you as the listener, did you know King of the Nighttime World was a cover song? No, me neither. <laughs> it was actually recorded by a group called the Hollywood Stars in 75, uh, and written um, in part by their manager, Kim Fowley. And if you, you probably would know Kim Fowley as the creator of the group The Runaways, the all-female band. Right, he put them all together. 
And if you want to hear a lot of interesting things about Kim Fowley, because he's a bit of a nut, uh, watch Edge Play, the documentary about the Runaways. There's a lot of interesting stories about him. Big time. But yeah, he knew Bob Ezrin, and Bob Ezrin got in touch with him to bring material to the band, much like he did with Ain't None of Your Business. But this song actually ended up making the album. And this is what uh, King of the Nighttime World sounded like originally. Too much different no sounds pretty similar like i said you know i challenge how many listeners out there actually knew that that was a cover song because i sure didn't I, I saw it on the internet a year or two ago and i was just like because i didn't know that i i mean i knew kim fowley was a co-writer but i assumed he had helped co-write it for kiss right and i know he helped change the lyrics but i didn't realize that another band had already recorded it that's an interesting track um as I mentioned before, the Detroit Rock City demo leaked a year ago, and that you know, and another there were a couple other songs leaked around the same time. It was kind of a goldmine for those of us that hadn't heard it, and uh, there was a couple of interesting songs from around the Hotter Than Hell Dressed to Kill sessions. And I'll go ahead and warn you, these clips are definitely not the greatest in sound quality, but they're they're demos. They're worth listening to if you haven't heard them before. There's a first clip we're going to play is a song called Mistake, and this is definitely not what you would normally expect from Kiss. Having lap steel in a kiss song is a mistake. Wow, it's like <laughs> country spelled with a K. <laughs> yeah. With a K U N T. Yeah. But, um, so that, and then another song from the same era came out. Now, this is a little bit more true to kiss, but I was telling Aaron, I think this has a bit of a Rolling Stones type swagger. This song's called Smoke. Girls are so unfair that they can't bother to take care I know better when I want to get her I treat her like I treat a man But when I know her 
That's kind of cool. I like that, but I do definitely hear the Stones influence on that. Yeah, I can hear that. And somebody really likes the flange effect on that song. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, back, uh, St- Gene Simmons in 2002 put out a uh, thing from uh, his Speaking in Tongues lecture tour when he toured Australia doing, you know, sp- doing a speech thing. And he he li- uh, released some demos along with it. One of the songs that wound up on the Asshole album called Sweet and Dirty, which is a great track. Yeah. This is another one that came off of that. But Sweet and Dirty from, Love. From what I found on the great site, kissfaq.com, uh, this was a track that was left off of the Psycho Circus album, which it's in the same vein as We Are One, but I actually kind of think it's better. I mean, if you're going for that type of sound, I like this a little better. This is a song called I Am Yours. definitely does have that we are one kind of a feel mm-hmm. to it i think it's a better i just think it's a more well-written sounding song now actually the most of that that's most of what you hear on the demo i don't think he ever fleshed it out into a full song right but i like it i mean i think it would have fit interest i think it would have sounded good on psycho circus which is ironically my least favorite kiss yeah, album yeah it's one of my least favorite too i mean some of that stuff and it's funny too because you listen to some of the demos that got cut off that album but Again, we'll get into a yeah, little bit Yeah, there's one we're going to play later. out at yeah. the end of the show that That'll really punch it. that point home. We just got a couple more to play now. Um, try to squeeze a lot of songs in here. Um, here's one that I asked for suggestions on Facebook the other day, and this was one that was pretty popular among the suggestions. This is on the box set, but if you don't have the box set, you may not have heard this. This is the original version of God of Thunder, and it sounded a little bit oh, different. Oh, yeah.
It just doesn't have the same oomph as the Gene Simmons version, does it? No, but it still would have been one of my favorite tracks on Destroyer, even if they had done it that way. I don't know. It's got that funny disco drum <laughs> to it. <laughs> I don't you know about the drum part, but I like the tempo of it. That riff sounds good sped up. It is pretty cool, you know. But And then, you know, you always heard the rumors of Paul Stanley was the original one that did that song. Well, mm-hmm. there's the proof. Although, you know, Ezrin was right. It should have been slowed down, and it's definitely a Gene yeah, song. Yeah, for so, sure. I, and I love that Paul still feels satisfied knowing that Gene's signature song was written by him. Nice. <laughs> That's that one-upsmanship. Yeah. But um, we've got a couple more to play, and there's one that Aaron... Wanted to completely make sure that I played. And I think it's it's purely because the, the the mention of piss flaps in the piss song. Piss flaps. How often do you get a song with that the whole key of it is piss flaps? All right, well, explain. Well, the ex- explanation, <laughs> I guess, is this. Gene Simmons wrote a demo for a song that, you know, it, it wouldn't end up being a Kiss song. Close. It ended up on a Peter Chris solo album. Do you know how that worked? I mean, how did... I How did Peter end up doing this song? I believe Gene did it as a favor to Peter. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Gene ever wrote it in, with the intention on it being a kiss. I think he yeah. wrote it for Peter. If I'm right, but of course, hey, corrections department, tell me if I'm wrong. Right. I wonder if uh, after the Peter Chris album came out, if Gene Simmons called him up and said, <laughs> "You left out the part about piss flaps. That's the most important part of the song." Probably. <laughs> Go ahead and play it. This is great. Yeah, piss flaps. Well, and you'll actually you'll hear a little bit of uh, both versions. steaming piss flaps around my nose. It's such a romantic. I can't believe that never made it onto any Kiss albums. <laughs> <laughs> they should end every song with that. <laughs> every song. <laughs> I'm going to start ending every sentence that way. <laughs> just don't direct it at me, please. <laughs> All right, well, just a few left to play on a more serious note. Yeah, right. Oh, well, yeah, it gets more serious than that. Here's one where we mentioned in the beginning of the show where you'll hear something that was like demoed for, you know, Asylum and then wound up on Sonic Boom. And here's what I was talking about. Sonic Boom, probably my favorite song on the album, is called Yes, I Know, and then in parentheses, Nobody's Perfect. What you may not know is that song was originally demoed as uh, Nobody's Perfect for Asylum, which there were quite a few changes made. But you, I, what I've done is I've done a little mix here back and forth where you can oh, hear where each one came getting from. Getting fancy in the mix, huh? I know. Nice. Check this out. Such a great Gene song. It really is, and it's wild to look at the perception of how different that song would have been 
had it landed on Asylum mm-hmm. versus, you know, 2010. Well, they certainly improved on the demo. The dem- demo yeah. was pretty rough, but uh, you can hear where they got the roots of it. Absolutely. You know, that, it's, that's still wild. You know, you got to think all the way back from Asylum to Sonic Boom. You know, uh, it's like when they're, when they're getting together, putting together the songs for the new album, they say, hey, I re- do you remember that one you wrote back in, you know, 87? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, remember that one? You know, let's let's do something with that. Well, and you know, you know, people gave Kiss and then, you know, recently gave Van Halen a lot of shit for, you know, going back to old demos and stuff. Right. I don't give a crap if you wrote the demo, that's your right. material to use later. Sure, it doesn't some matter. Some of the some I mean, of the good some of the good stuff comes from Van Halen did a great job taking old demos and making them into new songs, you know. This podcast has gone so good so far that we might not even release it till 2025. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to my notes from like episode three, and then we're gonna we're just gonna rehash it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll redo episode four. <laughs> well, I think we've played a pretty good chunk of stuff here, and we busted I, it out. And I'm gonna end with uh, mine, and I think probably one of Aaron's favorite unreleased Kiss song. songs. This, I love this. It song. is a crime that this song has never been on a Kiss album. A travesty. And let's go ahead and get into the history. All right, in 1982, Kiss recorded a song called It's My Life, and it was recorded for the Creatures of the Night album and featured Eric Carr with his thunderous drumming and everything. And Was that originally recorded with Vinnie Vincent, or was it wrote, written when Ace was still in the band? No, Ace was gone by this Ace point. Ace was gone by Although that. Although, so this is where it gets into that weird gray area. Right. Because no, anyone who was there doesn't even know. Because there's a lot of rumors sometimes that says that Ace Frehley had a hand in a lot of those Some songs. people say, and then some up. people say he didn't play anything on it. So, right. who? I mean, who really knows? I know that... Um, who really remembers? It didn't wind up on Creatures, but it wound up on a Wendy O. Williams album, yep. and it was even released as a single. Because Gene Simmons produced Wendy O. Williams, right. and even Eric Carr and Ace Frehley went ahead and played on her right. album. So it was almost an unofficial Kiss album, if you want to check. It's, Kinda, it's it the W.O.W. album. It's tight to the Kiss family there's, as yeah, you can get. There's a lot of Kiss members on that album. It's a good album. And then later on, it was also re-recorded for possible inclusion on Psycho Circus. Now, how uh, in the hell... Yeah. Did this not make Psycho Circus? I don't know. I mean, this is like, if you include this with Psycho Circus, this is automatically one of the best songs on the album. It's Unfortunately, it somehow got cut. This is a case where Kiss is just, in my opinion, is clueless on not putting it on a record. Well, Ace, I think we let you sing one song is enough <laughs> to let you sing a little part of this other song. We're going to have to cut it. We got a quota. All right, so you're gonna hear the orig- <laughs> you're gonna hear the origin version, a little bit of the Windy O version, and then we're gonna play out with the bulk of the Psycho Circus version. So this episode's been, you know, slightly entertaining, very <laughs> informative. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it, and uh, <laughs> one again, again, thank you if you're listening on Maximum Threshold Radio. Thanks for coming on board. Hope you enjoy it. If you want more at back episodes, want to subscribe on iTunes, go to dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. Yeah, you guys kicked in a little bit late to enjoy the full Kissmas in July, but luckily for you, there are archives. It's all there. So check out the website, www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com, and get everything Decibel Geek that you can because there's a lot of it out there, and we're going to continue to grow, and we're glad that we're on board with you guys and you're on with us. As for the our hardcore listeners that have been with us all along, we love you. you. Yeah, we love you and thank you. And, you know, I hope you've enjoyed Kissmas in July. We've we put a lot of have. work into it, but yeah. it's been a lot of fun. And we've definitely enjoyed it. You know, the demos, this was all for you guys because we wanted to do something extra special and extra informative for you. So I hope you enjoyed it. So we'll see you next week. Here we go. Back next week for more Decibel Geek Podcast.
Remember to check us out at dbgeekshow.blogspot.com, facebook.com slash decibelgeek, and Twitter at decibelgeekpod. Also available for free on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.